I pray this morning that God speaks to our hearts. I want you, those of you, few of you who are here to stand with me for the word of the Lord and those of you who are at home, uh, I want you to stand as well. And I want you to uh, take just a moment for you and your family. If you're watching by yourself, you can do that by yourself. But if you're with your family, let's stand and read the word of the Lord together. Before I go into the book of Jonah, the first chapter, I want to say good morning to all of our campuses, Athens family, Pastor Devin and I, the entire leadership and pastor's team love you. And we thank God that you're with us today, Pastor Chris and Amy Ryan, campus pastors in Athens. We love you guys so much. We also thank God for what he's doing at our RTTN campus in Bulgaria, our RTTN campus in Uruguay. So many wonderful things that are happening all around the world, and we give the Lord glory for it today. So all of the RTTN family, wherever you're watching from, may the Lord bless you as we go into the word of the Lord today. I want to preach a message today, and I want to call this message, Saying No to God. Saying No to God. This is a heavy message, uh, but it is the word of the Lord, and I believe we're going to end in a place of redemption and hope. But I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to open it to the book of Jonah, and we're going to preach some very familiar scriptures today. One of the things and the challenges about preaching from a familiar text is that often we come to the text thinking we've heard it all and we know it all because we've read it so many times before. But today I believe the word of the Lord is going to come uh, alive in our hearts. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And today God's going to use his word to bring us into greater alignment with his purpose. And I believe the Lord wants to speak to the body of Christ today And I believe he wants to speak to the church. The book of Jonah, the first chapter, the first verse reads, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down. I want you to see this. We're five scriptures into this story and in five scriptures, three times, Jonah keeps going down. He went down into the lowest parts of the ship and he laid down, number four, and he was fast asleep. And the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? 
And who are your people? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven that made the sea and the dry land. And the men on the boat were exceedingly afraid. And they said to Jonah, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Jonah said to the mariners, pick me up and throw me into the sea. That the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. And nevertheless, the men rode. They rode hard to return to land, but they could not make it for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. And they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. The men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Last verse. Now the Lord had prepared a fish, a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And I want to read one more scripture. It's found in the book of Psalm, the 14th chapter, the first verse, and it simply reads like this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, if you have a Bible like mine, the words there is are in italics. And the reason those two words are in italics is because they were put there by the translator. In the original Hebrew, this is what Psalm chapter 14, verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, No, God. And today I want to talk about saying no to God. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in hearts today. I pray for everyone watching online, those who are watching by television, speak to us today, God. Adjust us, align us, and bring us into a clarity of purpose, and get the glory for every life that is transformed. Jesus, I pray in your name, amen. You may be seated. Last week I talked about advancing in adversity. At the conclusion of that message, I read to you the final passage of the third chapter of 2 Timothy How Paul reminded Timothy that everything that you are assigned to do, God will make sure you have the equipment, the grace, the apparatus to finish every assignment God would ever put on your life. And I want you to know today that everyone saved and everyone who loves Jesus and everyone who has become a citizen of the kingdom of God has a purpose. You actually have an assignment You're not here by accident. You're not here just to take up space. You're not here just to go through the motions of a meaningless life. You were born again by the Spirit of God, and God gave every one of us, everyone, you and I both, an assignment. And no one can do that God-given assignment that he's given you like you are supposed to do it. But what happens When a man or a woman are given an assignment by God and they do not heed 
and follow the assignment. What happens when a man or a woman says no to God? And there's some people watching today who you know what it's like to have a purpose. You know what it's like to have an assignment, and yet we're just in a place in life. Some of you watching me are in a place in life where you can say to me, Pastor Kevin, I haven't fully said yes to God, and I want you to know that there is no neutrality in the kingdom. It's yes or no. It's, it's not straddle the fence. It's for him or against him. And I just believe today God is giving somebody. He's giving a person, but he's also giving a people an opportunity to say yes even after someone has said no. I will remind you that Jonah's name means the dove. This is significant if you're going to understand the call of Jonah. In fact, if we take an analysis of the anatomy of Jonah's call, we will understand that his name, meaning the dove, is significant. The dove in the Bible has always been significant from the very beginning in the book of Genesis when a man named Noah built an ark for the saving of his house after 40 days and nights of rain and water and flood and judgment. The Bible says that Noah released a dove and the dove came back because he found no place to rest his feet and then Noah sends him out again and the dove never returns because the dove finally found a place to rest and we flip over to the New Testament, to the book of John, the first chapter, and a man named John the Baptizer, he is baptizing disciples in the River Jordan. And your Bible says that he baptized Jesus. And when Jesus come up out of the water, the Bible says the heavens open and that the Father spoke from heaven. And of Jesus, the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, and the dove, the Spirit of God, in the form of a dove, came and rested on the person of Jesus. The dove represents the Holy Spirit. And when we open this text to Jonah, the first chapter, and we see God sending Jonah to Nineveh, it is a prophetic uh, declaration, as it were, of God sending the people of the dove to the most wicked city that you could imagine. I want you to know today that you may not be a prophet, I may not be a prophet, but we all who are born again have the dove living in us. And just like God was sending Jonah, the dove, to the wicked city of Nineveh, he's also sending you and I to the wicked cities of the world because there is an assignment in this hour for the dove to invade the most hostile environments you can imagine because God has transformation in mind in this moment. God never runs from Nineveh. God is never intimidated by the wickedness of Nineveh. He sends Jonah to Nineveh because he wants Jonah to infiltrate Nineveh with grace. The book of Jonah in the Old Testament is one of the few places in the Old Testament that we capture a glimpse of the coming grace of God in the new covenant because this is a time where God is not sending a prophet to the Jews. He's not sending a prophet to Israel. He's sending a prophet to the wicked Gentile city, uh, Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, the most vile, corrupt, evil, brutal empire of Jonah's day. 
And Jonah is sent to the wicked Gentiles because God is trying to show us that, it, that the wicked cities of the world need the grace of God. The dove has to get to Nineveh. And I just want you to know today that God is not running from the wicked cities of the world and, and, and assigning unhopeful judgment to the most wicked, vile places in this world. God is raising up people with the dove to go into the Ninevehs of the world because he knows that they are ready to turn to him. If you understand history at all, and I find this fascinating as I was studying for this today, I found it fascinating that in 766, now you must understand, right in the middle of Jonah's life, Nineveh, the Assyrian capital, don't miss this, this is massively important. Nineveh, the Assyrian capital, in 766 BC, this is not a matter of Bible story, this is a matter of history. In 766 B.C., a plague struck the nation of Nineveh. Sickness went rampant throughout Nineveh, and it came back again in 759 B.C. A second plague had come. And by 759 B.C., the inhabitants of Nineveh had dealt with an incurable plague twice. And because this sickness had hit the city of Nineveh, the entire city was on edge. They were living in fear and their hearts were looking for hope. And here we find ourselves in 2020 wrestling through the reality of a crisis, a pandemic, and some would even call a plague. Historically, Nineveh was ready for repentance and God was trying to send a prophet there because the people, their heart, no matter how wicked they were, they were looking for hope. And I want to tell the church today, I want to tell the people who have the dove living in them, Jonah, I want to tell you that God is not withdrawing from cities and nations of the earth who have become wicked and, and impure and evil. This is not the time of final judgment. I need, hear, I need you to hear me today. If God were through with all of us, we would know it. We would know it. Even in the middle of a pandemic, I see the silver lining of the grace of God. God is trying to capture the heart of a nation that has in many ways lost its way. And he's looking for a prophetic people with the dove who will go to wicked cities and announce that God is not willing that any man should perish, but that all should have eternal life through Jesus Christ. I want you to know today that the Lord will never abandon a nation as long as he can find someone who will go preach to it the word of God. Nineveh was ready to return to God. They were ready to turn their hearts toward God. They had encountered a plague twice. They had gone through hopeless situations and they're getting ready their hearts are prepared. The harvest is ripe. God is actually ready to relent 
of the horrible calamity that he had intended to visit Nineveh with. The people are ready. God is ready. And he goes and he taps on the shoulder of one of his own prophets named Jonah. Now I want you to understand this this is often treated as the only prophetic interaction that Jonah had in his prophetic ministry. But you must understand that Jonah also, according to 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, Jonah was a very uh, successful prophet outside of this story found in the book of Jonah. For we are told in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, that Jonah actually prophesied the expansion of the kingdom of Israel under the rule of Jeroboam. And what Jonah said about the kingdom of Israel under the leadership of Jeroboam, according to 2 Kings chapter 14, happened just like Jonah said. Jonah had already created uh, a resume, as it were, of faithfully fulfilling the prophetic role on his life. And the word that he spoke over Israel's expansion came to pass just like Jonah said it would. So everyone by this point knows if Jonah begins to prophesy, it's going to happen just like Jonah said because Jonah hears the word of the Lord. And This is one reason why I believe Jonah didn't initially go prophesy. Because he knew the word of the Lord worked. You either have to prophesy and preach and know it's going to happen, or you're so convinced that it's going to happen that you don't preach and you don't prophesy because you don't want it to happen. And I'm asking myself, how can the wicked people of Nineveh be ready? How can God himself be ready and the prophet not be ready to go preach and initiate revival. And here's the fact of the matter. Jonah didn't go preach to Nineveh because Jonah was a prejudiced prophet. He actually despised the people God had sent him to prophesy to. I want you to know today, we, and I'm going to create all kinds of interesting responses with this statement, but we're living in a day where we follow our pet prophets, and our pet prophets tell us what we want to hear, and uh, if I can even say it this way, we've got our white prophets prophesying to the white church, and our black prophets prophesying to the black church, and our Latino prophets prophesying to the Latino church, and we've become so tribal and disconnected that our hearts have been closed off to anybody prophesying to us that didn't look like us or come from our tribe and and even some prophets won't go prophesy to anyone else that doesn't come from where they come from I want you to know that the kingdom is operating on a higher level at a much greater efficiency than to be reduced to merely operating in tribalism in America we need to get back to the place where we have a hunger to obey the voice 
voice of God and to preach the word and to do it to every kindred, every tribe, every tongue because God is not in the, this is not a moment where God is saying yes to them and no to them. This is a moment where God is saying every person with a pulse, every person with a heartbeat, it's time to turn to the Lord and will God find a prophetic church who will announce the truth to everybody no matter where they came from. God's calling us to be a faithful people. How in the world will the nation ever be healed if the church cannot show us what it looks like to walk in unity? Jonah was a prejudiced prophet. He would not go to Nineveh because Nineveh was the, it was the enemy, as it were, of Israel. The nemesis of Israel in the day. Israel was terrified of Assyria. And Jonah is so prophetically aware that if he gets to Nineveh, Nineveh will turn to the Lord. And because he doesn't want to see awakening come to Nineveh, when God taps him on the shoulder, instead of invading the messed up, crazy, vile, wicked city of Nineveh, he runs to Joppa, pays the fare, and gets on a boat to run from the presence of the Lord. I am convinced that the church in America is in a place that God is having to come get her because instead of invading the nations of the world with the goodness of God, we've gotten so territorial and tribal and we've gotten so left or right, conservative, uh, 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 Republican or Democrat or, or, or liberal or whatever else we want to divide America with and nobody wants to go share the word of the Lord. So let's just take a boat trip and flee from the presence of the Lord. I want you to understand something today. When God says he will bless your life and he will use you and he will work through you, it is conditional. We have preached this sort of plan of God for the people of God in a way that no matter whether we say yes or no or we comply or disregard or whether we are compliant and, 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 and moldable in the hand of God or not, God will still use us. I want you to know today that you and I still have a responsibility to say yes to God. And the blessing of God that he wants to pour on your life is a blessing that is conditional with your cooperation. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Read your Bible. When God says, if you do this, then I will bless you. If you are obedient, then you shall eat the good of the land. If you will say yes, then I will open the door. And God is raising up a people. We need to hear this message in this hour that Jonah has an assignment. The church has an assignment. The people of God have an assignment. But we also have a choice. And Jonah had a choice to invade Nineveh with the dove, knowing in his heart that God was merciful and kind. The fourth chapter tells us that's what Jonah knew that the heart of God was merciful and kind and that if I go to Nineveh, they will turn to you. Jonah knew what would happen if he went to Nineveh to preach and he did not go. He went down to Joppa, bought a ticket, got on a boat to head to Tarshish. Nineveh was due east. Tarshish 
was due west. He went as far away from the will of God as he possibly could. He goes down, your Bible says to Joppa, he goes down to the shipyard, he goes down into the boat, he goes down into the bed of the boat. Every time you say no to God, it is a life of dissension. You just keep working your way down, 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 down. We lose joy, we lose peace, we lose our sense of confidence. We literally begin to ignore the very voice of God because we want to run from an assignment that he's put on our life. Jonah represents a prophetic church who is running from her prophetic assignment. And when he gets on the boat, a storm breaks out. And the church is sleeping in the storm. And everybody in the boat, the world, who does not know God, they're looking at the tempestuous storm that is on the ocean, and they know they're about to die, so they start throwing everything in the boat over the side into the ocean, trying to lighten the load and thus secure the boat in the middle of the storm. And there are people who are watching me today. I want to ask you a question. How much more stuff do you have to lose and get rid of trying to calm the storm in your life when in reality you can't throw enough stuff over the edge of the boat to get the storm to calm down? You're just riding with the wrong people. Some of you have a Jonah in your boat. Uh Uh-huh. Some of you have a Jonah in your life. Someone is running from the Lord and you're connected to them and everything connected to Jonah when Jonah is out of the will of God is going to go through a storm. And Jonah, I want to ask you a question. How long are you going to stay in a boat with people who are going through a storm that they didn't have to go through just because you are on the boat with them? Somebody today is in the middle of an unnecessary storm. Now, Jesus went through a storm and he slept. And the devil woke him up trying to torment him. Jonah went through the storm and and God used a mariner to wake him up. Why did Jesus get to sleep and, and shouldn't have been woken up? And why was Jonah asleep and needed to be woke up? I'll tell you what, Jesus went to sleep. He went to sleep because he knew the devil started the storm, but God would still it. God would speak peace to it. Jonah went to sleep trying to run from God, and when you run from God, the storm you create cannot be rebuked. It will only stop when you get in the will of God. I want you to know today that there are some people who are trying to figure out What is the storm we're in? Is it God? Is it the devil? Is it a curse? Is it a plague? Is it just a happenstance? I want to ask you a question today. 
Are you running from God? Because if you are running from God, God will use anything in his arsenal to stop a prophetic people with a prophetic assignment from running from him until you stop and repent and turn your heart to God and say yes to God. You say that is a mean God. Oh no, he loves you and I far too much to leave us in Tarshish when we are called to Nineveh for the greatest outpouring of God in a generation. You can sleep in a storm if you didn't start the storm. Jesus was in the will of the Father, and it was okay for him to sleep in the storm because the storm was not a storm of his own creation. It was an attack against his rest. Jonah has to get up because the storm Jonah is in is not a demonic attack. It's a God-sent intervention. And I want you to see who God uses to wake up the sleeping prophet. It's not God that wakes up Jonah. It's the lost world. The mariner came to the prophet and said, what are you doing sleeping? That's what the world is wanting to know right now. Where's the church? People are throwing things overboard. People are losing their mind. People are losing their peace. People are losing their life. People are losing their joy. And the world is sick and tired of watching a prophetic church argue over things and divide over things and spend more time on social media than we do on our knees crying out for a move of God. I tell you today that the world is looking for somebody with an answer. It wasn't the Lord that woke up Jonah. It was the captain of the, of the boat, the lost carnal world, saying, Jonah, can you offer some sort of explanation for what's happening on this ocean I'm telling you right now, the people with the answer right now, the people with the answer is the prophetic church. But in some places, the prophetic church is not awake. They're asleep in the bottom of the boat. And the world comes and pulls and says, oh, sleeper, arise. I like this part of the story. Jonah wakes up. The captain of the boat comes to Jonah and he says, who are you? What are you doing? Where did you come from? What do you worship? Jonah is thousands of miles away from God. And they ask him a question of identity. Who are you? Where did you come from? What are you doing on this boat? Jonah says these words. I'm a Hebrew. I'm from the people of Israel and I worship the God who created the, the sky and the sea, the land and the sea. This is what's fascinating to me. Thousands of miles out of the will of God and he still knew who he was. Somebody today is out of the will of God. But while I'm preaching to you, you know who you are. <laughs> You're still a child of God. You still worship the God of heaven. You still belong to the family of God. You are running and you are a million miles away from the Lord, but you haven't forgotten who you are. And I want to tell you today 
that sometimes it is the world that will provoke the church to have to answer the question, who are you? Who are you? Are you just a social entity? Are you just a Sunday morning group that gathers in a big building to go through religious routines and spiritual, quote, spiritual pablum and rhetoric? Who are you? Oh, no, we're the people of God. We worship the God of heaven, the God that created this, the sea and the land. And, 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 and yes, I'm out of place. And, and yes, I've said no to God, but I still remember who I am. Somebody today remembers who you are. Somebody watching me right now is remembering who you are. And you're remembering it, and it was, it was 20 years ago for some of us. It was 30 years ago when we came to Christ, and he saved our soul. And we wandered thousands of miles away from the plan and purpose of God from our life, for our lives. But I want to tell you today that in light of even saying no to God and feeling like you are out of his will, who are you? You know who you are. And crisis sometimes creates a moment of reckoning. And it's a moment that I feel like the prophetic church is in right now. A moment to say, I'm remembering now who I am. I'm not called to be on this boat sailing away from the goodness of God. I'm not called to be on this boat running from the presence of the Lord. I'm Jonah. I carry the dove. I'm on an assignment. And although I've wandered away from that assignment and I've taken part of my life and I've done what I wanted to with it today, I'm coming back to God. I'm thankful for the rerouting of God. Many of you... <laughs> You're thankful for that GPS system that you have that gets you from where you are to where you're going. Sometimes we miss the turn. I, I think I might be the worst at interpreting GPS systems in a car. I'm telling Devin where to go and I'm looking at the line and it's telling me where to go and somehow I think it's talking about something else and we miss the turn. And then we go a few minutes and Devin says that wasn't right and, it, and you hear the voice on the GPS system say, you're being rerouted, and I'm taking you back to where you're supposed to be. See, here's the thing. Some of us have said no to God. It's a dangerous thing to say no to God. The fool says in his heart, no, God, I ain't going to Nineveh. There are churches who decided we're not going to go to Nineveh. We'd rather be nothing more than just a social group or some meeting or gathering. But today I really feel like in my heart God is giving individuals and even corporate churches and groups of people an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm tired of saying no, God. I'm tired of running from the assignment. I want to say yes today. And Sometimes it takes the world asking us a question that brings us to a place of reckoning. Who are you? Who are you? Jonah says, I know who I am. And if you'll throw me over this boat right now, into this sea, all your storm will stop. The sailors, you know the story, they reluctantly, they said, no, we're not going to kill anybody. We can't throw him into the ocean. He'll die. So let's just throw some stuff over and row real hard. I just want to tell somebody, you can row as hard as you want to row, but if you have a rebellious prophet on your boat, the storm will not stop. I'm very careful, and you should be very careful about who you're friends with, because any friend you have that is saying no to God is a liability on the ocean. Yeah. 
You may be hanging with people <laughs> who are walking in disobedience to God. And if you, the most dangerous place you can be is some, with someone who is comfortable saying no to the living God. They row and row and they row harder and they cannot get the storm to cease and they can't get the boat to land and so they reluctantly ask God for forgiveness in advance and throw the prophet overboard. If you've ever seen Veggie Tales, it's hilarious the way they show this. The cucumber that's the captain throws Jonah over and immediately goes from a vile, tempestuous storm and the sun pops out and peace comes on the entire water. It's hilarious. But it's what happens when you get people in alignment. I'm going to say something theologically. I'm sure that it will take a moment for some of us to process this. But you need to first of all understand two things. Number one, the storm was not created by the devil. It was created by God. Now, I know you can't handle that because the God that we preach in the Western church is a real ooey-gooey bellhop in the sky that makes all of our dreams come true. Even when we're in rebellion, he still cozies up to us and we sit beside him uh, at a fireplace and sing chestnuts roasting on an open fire. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not interested in saving you and giving you an assignment for you to simply choose your life for. You are a disciple. I am a disciple. Disciples don't get to decide what they want to do for the one who saved and called them. Disciples give God a yes for the rest of their life. And Jonah, thrown overboard, storm prepared by God. I want you to know this. If God prepared, and the Bible says it, God sent the storm, prepared the storm for Jonah. If God prepared a storm for you, he also prepared a great fish for you. Aren't you thankful for a God who loves Nineveh enough to send a prophet to preach to that wicked city and he loves the prophet enough to give him another chance? Church, we serve a God of mercy and grace. And today is a day for someone who has foolishly said no to God maybe many times. It's a day of opportunity to say, you know what, I missed the turn. In fact, I missed a bunch of turns. But today's a day of rerouting. Some of you are hearing the voice of God say, this is not the right way. Tarshish is not your destination. Joppa is not where you're supposed to end. You have an assignment. The world the nations of the world, the mountain cultures of our society are waiting on the dove. You carry the dove. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I are one, ones who God has called to be light in the midst of darkness, salt that can be tasted in an otherwise tasteless world. And if we're running from the presence of God and saying no to God, who will go to Nineveh? So you know the story. They throw him over. He's in the ocean. The, the second chapter of the book of Jonah is powerful. You should read it tonight. But it is the story of how Jonah felt like he was drowning because he really was drowning. He said, I saw seaweed wrapped around my head. I was taken down to the very foundations of the world under the mountains and the crags and the door 
to earth was closing on me. But I remembered the Lord. And I lifted up my voice and I cried out to God. And the Lord heard me. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, Psalm 34, verse 1. This poor man cried unto the Lord. And the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his trouble. You know that, why that's one of my favorite passages in the Bible? Because I know what it's like to feel like a poor man who cried out to the Lord, who asked the Lord for mercy and have experienced the rescuing goodness of God. Some of you want the storm to end. Some of you want the boat ride to stop. Some of you are in the belly of a fish God prepared for you. And you want to know how much further down am I going to go? You'll go as far down as you got to go till you look up and say, God, I need grace. I need your mercy. The Bible said when Jonah turned his heart toward God and began to cry out, the Lord heard him. And the same God that spoke to the storm and the same God that spoke to the fish talked to the fish again and commanded the fish to bring Jonah up and he vomited. I didn't say it, it's what the Bible said. He vomited the prophet up out on the land because no fish wants to keep a rebellious prophet in their belly. Everybody's trying to get rid of the rebellious prophet. He throws him up on the land. He gets his feet back under him. And the third chapter of Jonah, and I'm almost through, the third chapter of Jonah, the first verse is absolutely powerful and hysterical all at the same time. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise and go to Nineveh and cry out against them. And this time Jonah says, okay. And he goes to Nineveh. Don't miss this. He preaches an eight-word sermon. Look at your Bible. Third chapter of, of, Noah, of Jonah, the fourth verse. He preaches an eight-word sermon. And the entire nation goes on a fast, sits in sackcloth and ashes, and begins to repent. What does that say? i tell you what it says. It says Nineveh was ready, God was ready, and it really wasn't about Jonah's sermon content. We're mesmerized by our ministries. We're infatuated with our own media and our own cover stories, and we think it's our waxing eloquent that will transform nations. God wasn't looking for a great sermon from the mouth of Jonah to transform Nineveh. Jonah only preached an eight-word sermon, and a nation repents and turns to God. Why? Because God was ready. Nineveh was ready. And all he was looking for was a ready prophet who would share the word of the Lord that God had put in his mouth. Church, it's not our bells and whistles and lights and smoke. It's not our singing and sound and all of our accoutrements and all of our plans. It's not all those things. It's one thing. Will you go where God sends you? Will you say what God said to say? Will you be faithful to the assignment God has placed on your life? Because if we'll say yes, Nineveh will say yes. If we'll say yes, 
Chattanooga will say yes. If we'll say yes, America will say yes. You say, Pastor, there's a lot of godless people in America. There are a lot of godless people in America, but the word of the Lord changes the heart. And many times we find America in the shape it's in because instead of being a prophetic people who have arisen to the assignment and said yes to the call of God and yes to the responsibility of heaven, we've run to Tarshish. We've got in our boat to hide. We've slept in our comfort zone, and it's a pseudo-comfort zone. There really is no comfort fleeing from the presence of God. God uses the world to shake us and wake us up and say, what's going on? Where is God? And many times those with the answer are the ones that are quietest and sleeping. Today's a wake-up call. Today is a wake-up call. The second time, I think it's wonderful news that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I think that's a place to give God praise. The second time the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah said yes. He goes to Nineveh, preaches an eight-word sermon, and the last scripture in the third chapter, an eight-word sermon, and this is what happens. Verse 10, chapter 3, then the Lord saw the works of Nineveh, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Do you hear that? God had said because they were so wicked and they were vile, he said, I'm going to destroy them and bring disaster. Yet Jonah goes to preach, and he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown and the entire kingdom sits in repentance. Even the king forbid the entire city from eating, not beast or human. No one could eat. Nothing could eat. And they turned their heart toward God and a whole generation of Ninevites were spared. God changed his mind. Now, I know you can, send me, you can send me all of your literature and all your emails about how foolish to think God would change his mind. Pardon me for preaching what the Bible said. God had something in mind, and he changed his mind. Why did God change his mind? Because Nineveh changed theirs. And when America changes its mind and turns its heart to God, I want you to know that any kind of disaster that was intended to come, we are not in the days of final judgment. You hear what I'm telling you? Jesus is still on the throne. God still takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. The Bible said it is the goodness of God that leads a man or a woman to repent. I want to tell you right now that America may be vile. There may be people who are evil in America. And 2 Timothy 2 Timothy 3 tells us there will be, but I want you to know it doesn't have to stay wicked. You don't have to stay rebellious. You don't have to say no to God. You can say yes to him today. And the word of the Lord to Jonah was go. And the word of the Lord to the prophetic church of this hour, those who have the dove, go, go, go cry out and tell my people. Go, go tell Nineveh. Go tell Chattanooga. Go tell America. You don't have to scream on the corner to do it either. Just be a light. 
Stop hiding in the belly of a boat running from the call of God. Don't be ashamed of him. Ricky, help me, I'm through. I want you to, to know today that the fourth chapter of the book of Jonah, the last chapter, is one of the saddest chapters in my Bible to me. At the end of the third chapter, Nineveh is repenting. God is relenting of disaster. Revival is happening in Nineveh. You would think that Jonah would get really excited. But I want you to see how jacked up this prophet is. He can't get excited because the people who he didn't like are finally experiencing the goodness of God and he didn't want that. I'm going to say this as I close today. I'm terribly afraid that one reason the church is immobile and hiding in the belly of a boat in many instances is because we don't want to see people who are different than us and that we don't like experience the goodness of God. If we become the light and the salt and do what God's called us to do, lives will be changed. Some of the most mean-spirited people in this moment have a cross hanging on their neck and a Christian bumper sticker on the rear of their car. And they claim membership in the church of our Lord. And they are as mean as a pit of vipers. And I just want to tell you, you keep living like that, Jonah. America's not changing because you pick a side and demonize the other one. America's going to change when she recognizes or the church recognizes that there's a dove living in us. If we're born again, we don't just have our rights. If we're born again, we don't belong to ourselves. We don't even just belong to America. We belong to the king of the kingdom of heaven. What if God wants to use you to see the salvation of wicked, vile men come? And yet the church runs from the assignment and we hide in the belly of our boats. And you can couch under all you want to, your causes and your soapboxes and your political positions I refuse to be sucked in to that garbage because the kingdom of God is compelling a tribe of people to rise and to go to Nineveh and to America and to Portland and to Seattle and to New York and to Miami and to Atlanta and to every other city in this nation where the devil's trying to raise his head and bring hopelessness to our generation People with the dove. I feel the Lord. People with the dove. God's not looking for a great sermon. He's looking for somebody just to go be light, be salt. I want to pray for those who are watching right now. Somebody has said no to God. And it's not like you just opened up your mouth and said no to God. In fact, when I read the book of Jonah, Jonah never said those two letters. He never said that word to God. No, but you don't have to say no to God to say no to God. You can actually nod your head yes, but be getting in a boat in Joppa to go to Tarshish.
to run from the presence of the Lord. I want to ask you today not how your words have been, but I want to ask you how your actions have been lately. Are you saying yes with your heart? Are you going to the places even they may not be our favorite places, they may not be our from our tribe? You know there's a devil loose when people are getting in fights in Walmart over wearing a stupid mask. We're fighting over it. We've tribalized everything. Somebody has got to be a person of the dove. A spirit lives in me. And i got to rise above this and be light in a dark world. And I'm telling you, when the church wakes up and gets out of the belly of her boat, the storms will cease. And the thing that God has prepared to keep you will come and take you out of those vile, violent waves that are trying to destroy, feel like they're destroying the boat. God will take you out of that in something he's prepared for you, carry you to a place of solid ground, put your feet on a place where you can stand up again and go do what God has called you to do. And today's that day. We're going to recommit our heart to say yes to God. No more sleeping in this. We can't sleep in this moment. We can't run from the presence of the Lord. Dear God, we need him. Wherever you're watching from and everyone in this room, I want you just to lift your hands and I want you to let me pray for you today. Some of you are running from God. I feel the Lord on me right now. There's a prophetic church that God is trying to raise up. But she's too consumed. She's too consumed with the assignment not being what she wanted or where she wanted. And, 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 and so because it's people that I don't like and it's a place I don't want to go, I'm going to run from God. Even if you're hiding in the church. It's time to stop running from God and saying, no, I'm praying for you right now. Father, give us a heart of yes. I want to say yes to you today, Lord. I don't want to waste any more of my life. Somebody watching me right now has been running from God for years. But I want to ask you like the mariner asked Jonah, who are you? What do you do for a living? Where did you come from? Of what people do you belong? And I hear the Spirit of God saying that some of them were called when they were just a child or a teenager and they wandered away. But today they're they're being reminded of their identity. You may be a million miles from God, feel so far away, but you are recalling who you really are right now. I'm a Hebrew. I belong to God. I'm a a child of God. I come from the family of God. Today, the running ends. Prophetic church, today, the running ends. We don't need to bounce from pep talk to pep talk every Sunday about how to be the church in the middle of a pandemic. We just need to get on with our assignment. Say yes. The fool has said in his or her heart, 
No, God. I won't go to Nineveh. No, God. I won't love those people on the other side of the aisle. No, God. I won't pray for people who are living in wickedness and evil. I won't declare the goodness of God. I'm telling you today, God is exposing that in the heart of a prophetic church, individuals and corporately. And he's taking it from us because it is in many ways holding our generation back from experiencing the kindness and mercy of our Savior. He is ready to forgive. I believe many in America are ready to turn. May God give Jonah. May God give a prophetic church. May God give the people who carry the dove an opportunity right now to say, yes, yes to you, Father. Take a moment right now, and if it's in your heart to say yes, if it's not, I'm not coaching you into something you don't want to do, but somebody wanted an opportunity to say yes to God, I want to give you just a moment to say yes to God. In fact, I know this is crazy, but if you're watching me online right now, I just want you to type the word yes in. If it's in your spirit, I want you to type yes in right there wherever you're watching just as a testimony. I'm not running from it anymore. I don't want to run to Tarshish. I don't want to get in a boat called religion. I'm waking up today. A nation needs the church. A nation needs the light. A nation needs the salt. I want to say yes. Just type in yes. If you're at home, just lift your hands and say yes to God. Father, seal every word today. Oh, listen, can we end on a note? I felt like God just said that to me. Can we end on a note of really happy thanksgiving that Nineveh in that generation didn't die in their sins. They heard the word of the Lord. They repented and God forgave them and revival came to Nineveh. I think this is a good reason for us to give God some praise today. I think this is a good reason for us to get some hope before we get off here today. That America, that the nations of the world, that the darkness in our society doesn't have to stay dark. Turn the light on. This week, turn the light on. Be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. Be the people of God. Open up your mouth and tell of his goodness. Come on. I believe God is raising up a tribe that is not ashamed. You've tasted. You've seen. You know that the Lord is good. You know his track record. He's a good, good father. It's time to go tell it. It's time to go tell it. I believe and I declare that we're going to see souls come into the kingdom. That your sons and daughters are going to come home. That Nineveh will not be destroyed. That America will not be destroyed. That God will relent and God will give mercy. Oh, let's give him thanks because he's good. We give you praise today, God. We give you glory. We give you glory. God bless you, everyone. This week, the Lord's going to give you divine opportunity to be light in the middle of darkness. Don't lay in the bottom of the boat sleeping on the job. Rise up, Jonah. Rise up, people of the dove. Nineveh's waiting. God is ready. And revival's coming in the name of Jesus. We love you. And we will see you next Sunday and be, we'll be on social media this week communicating more things. 
Pay attention to that. I love you. Go in blessing. Be strong in the Lord today. God bless you. We love you.